to how we feel about ourselves inside or attachment style also determines what the choices we make in our professional lives and our careers to the extent that if we feel unworthy we end up not charging at our value as entrepreneurs in terms of pricing if we feel chaotic and disorganized that shows up in our career, the choices we make in our careers and the choices we make as entrepreneurs as well. So how we attach to other people determines the decisions we make throughout all these different realms in our lives and can explain why we're not able to commit to one job, why we need to bounce around every three years because we're avoiding jobs just like we're avoiding relationships. So is that a good summary of what you just said, Dr. Gary, or would you say it another way? heard about our guest today, Dr. Gary Sawyer, when he was interviewed on a podcast in 2019 promoting his book, Safe to Love Again, which was my first introduction to attachment theory in psychology, which we're going to dive into on today's episode. After I heard the podcast, I bought and read his book and I found it so transformational that I went on his website immediately and signed up for his mailing list. And at the end of each email, he asks you to book a free call with him. So I clicked on the link and I booked the call with him. And I got so much value on that free call that I signed up for his four-month program. And it changed my life, making me more securely attached to myself, which, as we'll talk about today, is the basic operating system for how we move through our lives. So on today's episode, we're going to dive into attachment theory and how it affects the choices we make in our careers. Dr. Gary, welcome to the Soul Career Podcast. And I am happy to be here, Lissandra. It's so great seeing you here doing your big purpose in the world. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you for that. So I'd like to start by asking you to explain what attachment theory is and how it impacts our lives. Sure. Attachment theory is the science of how our brains get wired to love and be loved right back. Yeah. It, it started in, after World War II when babies who lost both parents in London were in orphanages were dying for no good reason, supposedly, mm. right? And psychologist, actually psychiatrist John Bowlby said it's for lack of attachment. Yeah. He wanted to say love, but he thought he, it didn't sound professional. <laughs> So, but this is it, <clears throat> how we all were wired for connection and how that connection getting wired. Sometimes we get wiring that really, you know, ignites our flames in life. It allows us to have love and life and health and success. And sometimes we're given wiring that's not so good for love, relationships, success, or much else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I know there are four attachment styles, or at least the last time I dived into this, there were four attachment styles. It might have evolved since then. Can you explain to us what those are? Yeah, I call them love styles, but attachment styles is the technical term. First off, you know, there's, you know, there's secure, anxious, avoidant, and there's also disorganized. Right. Okay, so 50% uh, of the population are wired to be secure. That means that they feel comfortable giving love and receiving love. And they especially feel comfortable being in a committed relation, giving commitment, being and, and then offering it right back, okay, and receiving it, 
-hmm. They're the ones that go out and pick good relationships and tend, they tend to be lasting. But then there are some others. Now, on about 25% uh, of the population are wired with what's called anxious. It's also called preoccupied. Yeah. And this is where love was there or not there, love there, not there. There were some bids for attention met, some not. And they, and they have a fight response. They want to lock this thing down. They're the ones that say, why didn't you text me back in 10 minutes? Where were you last night? You know, you know, do you still love me? They're the ones that are, they're wired that they create a lot of drama. Yeah. And they're, and they are trying, what they're trying to do is manage the relationship so they can lock that thing down. Then there's the avoidance. The avoidance were not given much of a, of a connection at all. In fact, we know that avoidant babies learn to walk two months earlier than average than other babies because they are so on their own. The system says, we, if we want that binky, there's only one person who's going to get it for us. That's, and so they like to depend on themselves. So, and they don't like to depend on others. So they don't tend to like committed relationships. They don't like being in it. They don't like giving it. And they also can be emotionally dismissive because they weren't given these really good feelings. They were given mostly abandonment. And then there's the, um, the disorganized. They're about 5% of the population. By the way, the anxious, uh, the, the avoidance are about 20%. And the disorganized, this is usually trauma. This is early age trauma where there is they have a dangerous parent. So they have an approach and a huge avoidance that's not uncommon for them, a little small baby to faint <clears throat> when the mother comes in the room. So it's disorganized because they never, it's so chaotic. They can't decide whether to be anxious or avoidant. Another term people have used for is anxious avoidant. They, 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 they go between wanting it, not wanting it. Typically though, by age seven, 80%, you know, 80 of them have opted for hardcore avoidance. Mm. or they fall into cluster B personality disorders. Mm. They're 5%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So are the, I'm hearing the statistics and I can't help thinking that those statistics are really for the U.S., right? 50% yeah. secure. That sounds high because in the Caribbean, where I'm currently based in Jamaica, I actually think avoidance is probably the highest percentage of our population here, non-committal relationships, lack of commitment. Um, so that's really interesting. I'd love a study done on attachment styles in other regions. Yeah, they, there have been, and that's a generic thing. For instance, we know that there are certain sections for both Japan and uh, it's either the northern or southern places in Germany. Anyway, the places that got bombed out of the rear ends World War II, they run 80% avoidance. Yeah. So, you know, this was, you know, this is a generic thing or compilation in any given culture. I don't, I think cultures can be more or less avoidant. Okay. Uh, and I think we're becoming more and more avoidant <laughs> in many respects with social media. But you're right about that. Some cultures do vary. Yes, absolutely. So how does all this work in attachment theory and all these theories, actually, how does that affect the choices we make in our careers and our professional lives? Well, what I, what I argue in my book uh, is that, a, and it's kind of my own theory, is that what creates secure attachment? I ask the question, what allows people to 
to to be wired. And as I thought about it, my my attention got pulled to something called the strange situation, uh, a very uh, famous attachment uh, experiment that was done, study that was done. And what they did is they brought babies 10 months to 18 months. So toddler, pretty much. You have to be able to separate a little bit. Enough cognition to know that you and mommy aren't the same. You and daddy aren't the same. And they, and they separated them from their mothers. And at the reunion, they watched how they responded. Mm-hmm. And this is where they came up with the three styles. And suddenly, I put myself inside a 10-month-old, one-year mind. Well, what's on up and running? The prefrontal cortex won't get myelinated for uh, two more years. So there's nothing here that says, hi, you know, I've got a soul career thing going on. There's no, I am Lissandra or anything like There's no beliefs. There's no story. And the hippocampus isn't on until 18 months. So it's not, the, the memory isn't even up and running. The only thing that's running for a one-year-old baby that tells them to they are loved or not are feelings. That's it. Just feelings. Feelings run it. And then I ask the question, which feelings? Because not surely not all feelings are equal. And it turns out that, you know, if you can if you have received the feeling of welcome with joy mm-hmm. and worthy and nourished to have your needs met, cherished and protected, meaning someone sees an essence in you that they cherish. You get to be a me that's unique and you can have your own experience. Uh, and then, but you are surrounded in a beautiful supportive we. This is the heart and soul, I think, of attachment. A me in a we, not all me or not all we, right? And then empowered with choice to have a voice and to have a choice to have your wins. These four feelings, they travel with us. They become the, 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 the gateway for certain experiences or not because how you, the permission slip for feeling worthy to ask for your needs is very different than the unpermission list if you don't feel worthy. Yeah. And, and what I have learned over the years is when I've worked with especially women who are entrepreneurs in 14 and a half years of doing this work, uh, there has been zero exceptions to this rule. Every woman who came and had a business and worked on love and relationships got a better relationship and it grew legs and, and, and traveled elsewhere and they got a better business because these feelings create permission slips. So if someone feels unworthy, they'll find a taker. They won't be able to ask for their needs. And then like the one client said, you know, I, I tend to give freebies out or I, I'm always giving or I don't really charge my value. You think there's any correlation? Bingo. The feeling becomes what I call the operating system. Mm. Attachment is how we're wired for love and life. It affects us with our health. It affects us with success. It affects us with money. It, uh, it starts with love and those become permission slips that the child and our brain says, well, let's just use these elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I want to summarize what you just said because I think you made a really important point that I really just want to emphasize. So how we feel about ourselves inside or attachment style also determines what the choices we make in our professional lives, in our careers, to the extent that if we feel unworthy, 
we end up not charging at our value as entrepreneurs in terms of pricing. If we feel chaotic and disorganized, that shows up in our career, the choices we make in our careers and the choices we make as entrepreneurs as well. So how we attach to other people determines the decisions we make throughout all these different realms in our lives and can explain why we're not able to commit to one job, why we need to bounce around every three years because we're avoiding jobs just like we're avoiding relationships. So is that a good summary of what you just said, Dr. Gary, or would you say it another way? No, no, I think it's a good summer. These four feelings travel. And every feeling is a permission slip. I call them rights in the book. Yeah. Because it, feelings, if they, they don't have words, but if they had words, they'd say either two, yes or no. Mm-hmm. For instance, one year I had four women come to me wanting to work on relationships. Yeah. Okay. And they were, now they all had a great right to feel worthy. So, they were seven-figure coaches. Mm-hmm. However, what they didn't get was that really beautiful right to be a me and a cherishing we. Both of them had from early on of, of what I called a misright to separate yeah. and belong. It got split. They had more right to separate. Yeah. And I can still remember uh, uh, one of them saying, you know, I, I'm in the middle of a launch and suddenly two or three of my staff are flaking and going on vacation. This feels just like my boyfriend the other, you know, who a few weeks ago I was moving and they, he had to go out of town and then he gets back and says, you need anything, baby. <laughs> so, now, all of them, they, did, they had a right to charge money, but guess what? They all had a problem with staffs that would flake yeah. because nobody had a right. The feeling of uncherished, unsupported and they were picking staff members mm-hmm. the moment we restored that right one got a better marriage we had to work a little bit there three of them got dumped some boyfriends and got better boyfriends all of them swapped out their staffs yeah and they all got a better staff one even worked with me to learn how to pick a secure staff member without being too invasive right but now that's not like the person that didn't charge but the feeling of unchurched and unsupported, that's because we use it to navigate. If you don't, if you were given unworthy, then you don't feel worthy. If you feel an uncherished, then you don't have a right to feel cherished mm-hmm. or supported. If you weren't given, if you're running disempowered, you'll find ways to, to not be empowered. You won't have a voice. It'd be difficult to do marketing, you know, because you have to have a right to create your own experience too. And any and what I've noticed over the years is if you can't do real good marketing, if you can't create your own experience, how can you create an experience for anybody else? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, cool. Or or if you don't have a right to love and be loved, that's another right I talk about. These are the ones that get up and and they're on stage if they have if they speak. And as soon as they get a standing ovation, they they're off to the side. They don't have a right for a raving fan club. Each of these feelings and rights tracks into how it negatively affects the entrepreneurial model. Those who don't have a right to exist, they can't connect to their body. They can't connect. So they they suffer in client care. Worthy, they don't charge their value. You know, cherished and protected, they can't find good staff members. 
This, if they feel disempowered, they can't create their own experience and they, they don't have a right to assert. So they have a trouble either speaking or, or doing marketing. And of course, the right, what I call right to love and be loved, it affects their right to have a raving fan club. All, and just imagine, and you need all six mm -hmm. to run a healthy business these days. Wow. So just walk us through all six one at a time so we have them down so we can take the notes. What are the six rights? that determine your secure attachment style. So if a baby is given <clears throat> welcome with joy, oh, there's little Lissandra, you know, that's welcome with joy. It's also the first thing that we want to see in any relationship. Oh, good seeing you again, Lissandra. For so that's that, the right to be welcomed with joy. That's a right to exist, to the be right to here exist. in your body. And mm -hmm. right. And then there's, and then there's that. And then if a, you know, a baby is given the feeling of worthy, this comes on a little later, two to six months at age, then they're given a full right to reach out for their needs so they can give and receive. So that's the right to have your needs met. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that turns into how much can you charge your value, right? right. Or are you always giving away freebies? And then there's a right if you feel if the babies, once they get mobility, if they're shown that feeling of cherished and what I call protected, you know, someone's looking over them, then that gives them the right to be in a we, a supportive we. Now, in the partnership, that's everything. But it also means they have the right to seek coaching, be supported. They have a right to have good staff members. Anything about support. The, the people that say, I got to just do it by myself. I don't need coaching. You know, they have a missing right. I mean, a split right to separate and belong. Now, the next feeling of is empowered. That gives two rights. A right to create your own experience where you get to be the standard of your own experience. Yeah. If someone doesn't have that right, these are the people that go out and try to clone someone else's niche because someone else gets to be the standard, mm -hmm. right? You know, and, uh, or they don't have a right to have a voice. So they don't have a right to have their wins. They don't have a right to speak up. Sometimes they will suffer with in terms of being able to speak. And it does help speak in this business, right? Uh, and then, um, then at you know ages 24 to 36 months, the system adds this up, says, are we loved? Do we have all four feelings? And it, that's what called a right to love and be loved back. Yeah. And this is mostly about the right to have a raving fan club. Mm -hmm. You know, I once had someone walk up to me after I got a standing ovation and say, says, you like that. I said, I worked hard for that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So you've hinted at a little bit at the work that you do and the clients that you've coached and mentored and you, your title is master transformational mentor. So what does that mean exactly? What is it that you exactly do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think these days I just go by, cause I think master got a little weird, but I think I just go by transfer, a transformational relationship mentor. Transformational means that, uh, you know, I am working to help neurons make better friends, to actively change the way the brain's wiring is. So that's not therapy. This is transformational work, okay? Yeah. I differ myself with, with traditional therapists. I've trained therapists yeah. with my work, but so it's transformational. Coaching is, there is some coaching, but if you're not, you can give a couple or give someone the skills, but if they don't have a right to have their needs met, 
You can coach them all you want on a higher end package. If they don't have a right to assert, good luck giving them speaking skills, right? So it's transformational. Then it's relationship, obviously. And then mentor, because what I've learned, especially working with couples and singles, is it's a mentoring process. You do have to eventually give them the rights and then the skills. There, if you're working with couples, especially at first, you have to be able to intervene between sessions for 10 or 15 minutes if someone says, oh my God, I said exactly what you said not to, and then he walked out the door. Okay, now if you wait till the week before they get back in, you know, you're putting out a whole forest fire, <laughs> right? So it's mentoring. Uh, and I have to give someone a secure relationship with me mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a professional way. And yet it, it is, it has to be a supportive. They have to know there's a blanket of support. That's my way of subtly planting in what it feels like to be a we so they can take that feeling that from our work and put it elsewhere because in in um, couples, especially the we is everything. And quite frankly, I think it's that way in business. And in that way, I once had a business coach that I work with. And when we got to the feeling of empowered, which was one of his missing rights, he had a right to be a very successful, but he, he didn't really have a, a good skill set. And he said, this explains my staff meetings. Mm-hmm. I don't why I'm getting such reticence, why I'm getting such resistance, I don't empower them. Mm-hmm. Wow. I remember the work that we did together, Dr. Gary, when I was leaving the Branson Center, you actually coached me through that process mm-hmm. because I remember having a lot of anxiety around the decision to leave my steady, secure, prestigious job as the CEO of the Richard Branson Center of Entrepreneurship and go out on my own. I had made the decision, I had advised the board, and around September, October, I was having so much anxiety around the decision, and was I going to go bankrupt, was I going to fail, and you actually had me do this this exercise where I had to imagine my future self and feel the feelings of that successful future self and then come back to the present moment. And you had me do it like over and over again until I could feel those feelings of success in the present moment and realize that all the anxiety was in my head and I had all the tools. I was very capable. I knew what to do to figure it out um, to be successful as an entrepreneur. Do you remember that? I do remember. And then we went, we went back to the present and then we did like a step one, two, and three. And we figured out your brain already knew. And this is one of the things is what beliefs and feelings it needed to have that your particular roadmap. And then you knew how to get there. We just coach out of your brain, the resources that were already there. That's why what you're talking about is, you know, one of my key things working with anybody are two principles. One is, you know, the there are no unresourceful people yeah there are only unresourceful states and the feelings the state you were in was oh my god and (laughs) the resources are always there and it's all adaptable we just helped you know find out what your system needed to feel the resources and what particular it needed now the process is a little more it takes a little more skill to lead someone through that in this conversation but notice that we just 
we we calm that anxiety and helped your brain feel its own roadmap to feeling empowered. Of course, we had done some deeper work yes. before that, so that empowered was you know was a more easy buy-in for your brain. <laughs> yes. Well, how I would phrase it is, you helped me to figure out how to trust myself, right? Yeah. You helped me to feel secure in myself and not feel so insecure. And I want to come back to this attachment styles. The secure attachment style is what we're all aiming for. Securely mm -hmm. attached to ourselves, trusting ourselves, trusting other people, being able to securely attach to them because we trust them and ourselves. So my question for you is, can you change your attachment style? And if so, how do you change your attachment style? You know, there used to be the idea that you couldn't change it. It was pretty much died and you were just managing pain. That was what therapists were saying. In fact, I had a therapist that I work with say after the fifth sessions, my God, you've changed my attachment style. <laughs> I was told you couldn't do this, <laughs> right? Well, that's part of the whole reason I did this because, you know, so, but it goes back at some point in time, I live and die with these four feelings. What wires your brain originally, if, if whatever tells a one-year-old to feel secure is that's your GPS, our GPS, so to speak. We have to help our brains feel safe, feeling welcomed and worthy and cherished and empowered. Now we just can't go and add feelings. At one point in time, the brain took that feeling off the menu because it was not safe. Yeah. So part of it is finding out what feeling wasn't given and what flavor of of safety the brain is seeking or what flavor of unsafety told it not to. And it's because if we don't, it will re reject. People can want to pe choose, say, you know, like for instance, say, you know, like when I grew up, I had a borderline mother who uh, I remember at four years old, wanting to be down in the kitchen, like a lot of four-year-olds like to be around mom, right? And that's at that point, the we. And remember thinking, oh, I've hit the wall too many times with the physical violence, so I think I'll stay up here. Mm -hmm. Distance equals safe, yeah. okay? Now, for somebody else, say they had a very intrusive mother or father who's always six inches off their nose, always telling them what to do. This is, now, this is I will lose myself. Yeah. That's very different than how we hit a wall. <laughs> Both people, myself or the other person, would be missing a full right to belong, yeah. create a we, but for very different reasons. So it's, you know, this is the essence of the work, feeling into someone's system and, and of then knowing how to be in rapport enough, the system says we can trust this feeling again, because if I had been empowered enough to be down there and spoken my truth to my mother, I may not be talking to you right now. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. No, and that's the way it is for all of us. So it's, that's why the book is called Safe to Love Again. Mm -hmm. All this is about safety. And, and when your brain felt safe, feeling empowered, and you know, then you could trust yourself. You felt empowered being worthy. You know, trusting ourselves if we know these, these feelings and we can feel them in our core and our guts, then we can trust ourselves. Yeah. I'll share with my audience that I, when I took the um, attachment style test years ago, 
I came out as an avoidant, as I think most Jamaicans would. We mm. are not taught to feel safe in our society and to safely connect with others. But the work I did with you and elsewhere really helped me. Now I test as secure. Now I test as securely attached. And I, and I really think it starts with securely attaching to myself, which means safe in myself and safe by myself, which came in really handy during the pandemic, right? Yes. Uh, and from that place, I can give secure attachment to others, including my staff, the people that work with me, my clients. And, you know, if I'm in a partnership, I hope to be able to give that as well. So you, to answer my question, can I change my attachment style? I think absolutely. But first, as you said, you have to figure out what is the underlying right that's missing for you and work on creating those rights, making your brain feel safe. And from there, you can transition from anxious or avoidant into secure. That's my read on it anyway. Yeah. It is. And notice you had just enough of a right to, to separate and belong that you sought off the support of someone like me. It is very difficult to change this by yourself. <laughs> it is. I just want to say that to everybody. Yes, yes. You will need support and not just any old therapist. You need someone that really understands this type of work. But yes. notice, yes, you your brain was wired. This was your birthday. You were born to feel secure. You had to be taught to feel unworthy or disempowered or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And at one point in time, if you're out there and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm anxious or avoidant, I'm screwed, right? No, your brain took the best deal available. Wow, yeah. So uh, this the work is letting your brain know that those safety protocols can be, you know, they can kind of go bye-bye and it's safe to change the, the safety protocols. Yeah. Your birthright is to feel and to give welcomed and worthy and cherished and empowered. Mm. You have a right to feel that in your bones, not just up here, but in your bones. So the, it is, and uh, if I can add a fourth one, uh, you have a right to be beautifully supported. Find this help so that you can reclaim a secure attachment. It will affect all of your life, especially relationships, but it can't help affect everything else. It is, it is to, to borrow a phrase from Brendan Burchard, it is life's golden ticket. Mm -hmm.